You'll know real when you get it. It will say eBay Authenticity Guarantee, and you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you look like a gem, sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things that you love are checked by experts. Not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Hello, hello, it's Brooke DeVard. You're listening to the Naked Beauty Podcast. I have Grace Gibson here with me. Hi, beautiful people. Grace, I'm sure you've done, I mean, you've done a million interviews. Have you ever done a podcast? I actually have not done okay. a podcast. I'm happy to be your first. You, you are, I'm trying to think of like how to introduce you because you are an actress, mm-hmm. a dancer, a singer, a, mm-hmm. like just an overall entertainer. And also a businesswoman. Yeah, a little bit of everything. Hopefully not a jack of all trades, but an expert in many things. Yes. One and day. your latest endeavor, the All Eyes on Me movie, is out now. Mm-hmm. And you played a young Faith Evans. Yes. For the role. Was that like your first really big feature film or had you done? Well, actually, my first film was a Fox Searchlight film called Black Nativity. Okay. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. yes. And so that was pretty big as well. It was very daunting at the time. My scene partner was Forrest Whitaker. So to have your first um, time on set where the eyes are on you, no pun intended or intended, <laughs> I don't know, and have it be with Forrest Whitaker, it was it was definitely exciting and at the same time nerve-wracking. And um, I told him that and he said, it's okay, you got it. Aww. And he was really kept me on my toes as an actor. So that was great training. Yeah. Um, but this was my first film that I I think was such a big part of pop culture. Yes. So it's gotten quite a bit of attention, which yes. is exciting. Yes. So for people that don't know, if you've been like living under a rock, it's the story of Tupac. <laughs> and did you get to meet Faith Evans when you were... Unfortunately, I did not. Okay. I sent her a message on Instagram. I wanted to come to her really with just full of, you know, humility and um, my love for her as an artist. Because yeah. I grew up listening to her and really being influenced by her melodies and her vocal tone so I really came to her with with that information and telling her that I really loved her and I wanted to honor her with whatever script I was given I right. was gonna my my first intention was to honor this amazing woman who had given her life to pop culture and yes. music yes that's amazing and so I saw the transformation of like you getting into hair and makeup mm-hmm. and becoming Faith and like you look just like her. <laughs> when you, you have like your own personal style, obviously, mm-hmm. and you have a very, I think you have a very distinct personal style. Thank you. When you are, you know, on a movie and you have to play someone else and get totally transformed in terms of your look, is that something that you enjoy? Does it help you get into character? I really do enjoy it. Acting was never something that I planned on really happening. Really? Even like seeing your mom do movies your whole life? Yeah, no intention. I She's so amazing. And my father was such an amazing director that I was actually quite intimidated by acting. I took it very seriously and I saw everything that was put into it. So I had no, no intention yep. of making this my career. And it was actually Casey Lemons who she saw me saying... Um, at Samuel Jackson's house when I was 10 years old. And she said, I know that you're, I want to write a role for you. And she wrote this role in Black Nativity for me. That's amazing. And she really vouched for me. And she told me, Grace, you have this mystery about you that I think that needs to be captured on screen. And you're doing like an injustice to yourself 
to not be an actor. Hmm. So I said, well, shit, that sounds pretty good. Let me, (laughs) right. Let me try and get it together. But I've been, my mom has been a huge mentor to me and my godmother, Caroline Ducro. They've been big acting coaches. I've also studied with Richard Lawson. Um, and I, I really enjoy I enjoy being a chameleon that's mm-hmm, what I like about acting mm-hmm. and I, we just like jumped right in like could you give some background on like your parents and even like early memory I mean I'm sure you have very early memories of being around sets and yeah the awards and all of that so my parents met when my mother was auditioning for the role of Josephine Baker okay at the time it was the first film that HBO had ever done wow and, and it was we should say who your mom is Lynn Whitfield yes and, Lynn Whitfield and it's so funny because the icon for this podcast is Josephine Baker I have like loved Josephine Baker in my entire life she's like my ultimate muse so I, that's also a movie that I'm obsessed with well that's another way that we're connected bro, yeah exactly because not only are we Leos but Josephine <laughs> Baker is a huge influence and for me she's yeah. the reason I'm alive mm. so I really she's like my fairy godmother I only have one godmother Caroline Ducro but she's my fairy <laughs> godmother in heaven and yeah they met on on set when she well actually when she was auditioning she went through a really grueling auditioning process we actually were just in New York archiving all this footage from that time her audition tapes oh wow um, what was it like for you to see your mom's audition tapes it was really amazing yeah it was really inspiring mm-hmm. michael peters was her best friend before you know he passed away he was mm-hmm. michael jackson's choreographer and oh, okay i he, didn't know that yeah he was his main choreographer who really helped him carve out his unique style mm. if you see the music video bad yes um, of he's the one in i think it's bad um he's the one in the white who's kind okay. of like, yeah with the knife and yes. stuff yes. that's yes. michael peters and he was my mom's best friend and he choreographed it for her wow he also wanted to choreograph the movie George Ah. Faison ended up doing it he was like an uncle to me but um so to see her have the faith to go put her money behind Mm -hmm. this thing and direct it herself and um find the essence of Josephine Baker inside of her yes. was so inspiring because I think that now we're so distracted by does someone look just like someone or exactly do they sound just exactly. like that and that's so important but true actors mm-hmm. can be anyone yep and um, my mom really, really, it was a personification of her work. And she mm-hmm. was not a spring chicken. She was 38. Oh, was she? She looks so young. And I, I don't mean to put her age out there. I know. I mean, sorry, everyone. But you guys did it already. Thanks a lot, Google. <laughs> She's pissed <laughs> off about that. But just to put in perspective how much faith that took. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, and having the boobs out was just, wow. Like, just a lot of courage, Mom. Thank you. I know. That. Would you ever do like a nude role? I've already been asked to do one. And how did you respond? Um, I was offered a role in this film. And uh, I was, it was great money. But um, I talked to the director. The role kept changing. At first, it was just nudity. Then it was a violent sex scene. And I talked to the Whoa. director and I said, what would you tell your daughter, sir? And he said, I would tell her not to do it. So I said, I think you've given me my answer then. I can't do it. Mm. But I got to visit them on set and he was so cool. But I just realized if my services aren't needed to tell this 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 character's dialogue. Right. And if this character isn't even really given dialogue. Right. And if they and it's, put, just, it's just about how you look. Yeah. Yeah. Or really developing the male character who would be taking me violently. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't feel like my services were needed. I felt like they could use someone else. Yes. Yes. <laughs> no, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Being a young beautiful woman (laughs) in Hollywood where you're going on auditions all the time do you ever feel like I don't know people are trying to like take advantage of you or Mm. huh that's interesting question in what sense you are talented but you're also like very beautiful so someone who asks you to do like a violent sex scene do you feel like it's more about the way that you look and like how beautiful your body is versus like your actual talent well, for me, the director was really honest. Okay, yes, it and, seems like it. Yeah, and that was really important. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of directors sometimes might not be, or producers, or casting directors, yes. or whatever. But I think that what I've realized in you know my short career thus far is that I can't blame on anyone else if they're writing the story they want to write. Right, okay. They took the initiative to do mm-hmm. it. Totally. So I want to tell stories that pertain to me and women like me and to see myself on screen mm-hmm. in my story, I have to do it. Because how can a man, you know, yes. r- uh, 
a Caucasian man who's right. never been in my 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 shoes. How right. can he really know your story. my story, my inner dialogue? Right, he can't. So what I've realized is that I have to create an infrastructure around myself to tell narratives that I think are important and could be popular, even. Yeah, I mean, I I look at women like Lena Dunham and what she's done with girls, even though it's highly criticized. She created a role for, no one would have ever written that Mm -hmm. role for her. You Mm -hmm. know, she had to kind of like create it for herself. So I think that is like empowering and I think it's changing in the industry. How much do you, so, okay, I would imagine you go to an audition and I experienced a little bit of this when I was at Ford doing modeling. Mm -hmm. You must see the same girls a lot Mm -hmm. and you must be a, up against the same women a lot for the same roles, mm-hmm. right? Do you feel like there is like an implicit competition that comes with like wanting to make it or wanting to get cast in certain roles? Well, most of my experience has been, because I was living in New Orleans, yes. has been through taping my auditions. Okay. So that was a really great training for me yeah, as that's a director. Awesome. Yeah, because you, you got to kind of like set it up. and Exactly. Um, I haven't been in the room as much. That's mm-hmm. still new to me. Mm-hmm. Still getting my footing in LA. But I find that healthy competition, there, there are certain women that were put out, we're, prob- we're the same type, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, there's beautiful women like Logan Browning and Journey Smollett and just, there are so many beautiful black women out mm-hmm. there who mm-hmm. are going and doing great work. And I don't find it to be an unhealthy competition. I find mm-hmm. it to be, wow, I see them doing wonderful, inspiring things underground. Yeah, um, that's amazing. Yeah, Dear White People. I loved that. And I'm really inspired to, mm-hmm. to, to do more, especially now. It's a really special moment yeah. in the entertainment industry where we have enough autonomy that we can kind of tell our own dialogues and there can be enough for everyone to eat and be happy. Yeah. So, of course, sometimes you get lost in the Instagramming of it all and the social media competition and seeing, <laughs> oh, this person's doing this glamorous thing and I'm over here just trudging along trying to I get know. by. But um, does your management ever tell you to do certain things on social media or are you just kind of able to do what you want? I actually recently let go of my management. Oh, really? So you're so, just out here on your own? Yeah, I'm kind of out here on my own. I'm, I'm talking to this new agency. We're going to start doing some things, but... I realized that my management, um, they had too many things on their table mm-hmm. to... Give you the full attention that you deserve. Exactly. Yeah. So, and I also realized that it's really important for us to kind of keep it moving. Yes. You know, I gave a year. Yes. And it, and it didn't do anything for me, really. Right. So, I had to keep it moving. And I think so many of us, we just cry over spilt milk. So, I had to just right. say, it's better to leave and have the confidence yes. to do that than to just... Stay in something that you're not 100% feeling exactly and then also to learn lessons from their mistakes and figure out how can you know how can I do better when I'm in a position and I have talent on my hands or other people's time on my hands how do I do better you know I just take everything as a learning experience Mm -hmm. so it was really cool but right now I'm managing myself which is which is very interesting (laughs) (laughs) and so like when you go to do like a red carpet event for instance Mm -hmm. do you have like a stylist and hair and makeup person or you just kind of like get ready on your own when I really first first started which I'm still first starting but my first film was three years ago I was in this mode of being correct Mm. and this is the right way you do things Mm. this is the right way you tape an audition tape Mm -hmm. this is the right way or trying to search for the right way I didn't quite know yeah so I was always searching for how did they want it to be yes but then when I started switching that to how do I do my best Mm mm-hmm breaking rules, trying new things. Yeah. That's when I found my authentic voice in, in different sectors of the arts. Yeah. You know? Even on audition taping, just that as an art. It's really cool when you get and say, hey, I don't want to just do this on a blank wall. That might not, maybe that's the correct thing to do, but I'm going to go do this where the scene is. I'm going to oh, go find the location. Let's go do this where the scene is. For stuff like that, I got called in to test. Right, because because imagine they're looking at 20 people that are all doing it the exact same way, mm-hmm. and then you say, okay, Grace Gibson, this woman's doing a totally different yeah. take. It kind of catches their attention. Yeah, And I won't lie, I was a little nervous because I didn't want the director to have the impression that I was trying to direct their film. You know, this ah, is a directing see. audition. It's I a see. fine line. Yes, yes. But it made me be a better actor, so that was ultimately the focus. That's amazing. Yeah, but I think that, yeah, there was a time where I felt, oh, you have to have a stylist, you have to have makeup, you have to have everything be professional and be perfect, and I did that. 
And then I looked at photos of myself. And you were like, who is this person? Which are still on the internet, by the way. <laughs> Can they leave? Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And I said, this isn't who I am. This isn't who you are. Right. Because I think that you do have like again such a personal distinct sense of style that's Mm -hmm. like part of your brand and then also you're a musician as well Mm -hmm. right so you have like an image of your own and a lot of actresses are just blank palettes that just get transformed into something else so talk to me a little bit about music and and your kind of career as a performance artist so my first love yes (laughs) my first love music music has really brought everything good into my life every Mm. film I've gotten has been a music film Mm. Um, it's because of music that I got it. My education has been based on music, my friends, my circle. Yeah. So music is really my archangel and sometimes, you know, a little devil on my shoulder pissing <laughs> me off. But I really love music and mm-hmm. that's my first my first motivation for sure. So you mentioned school a little bit. We should go all the way back to the Spence School for Girls on the mm-hmm. Upper East Side of Manhattan. Oh yes. Where where we first met bring it back and of course this is a beauty podcast so I have to connect it to beauty mm-hmm. how did going to an all-girls school and also an all predominantly white all-girls school kind of inform your sense of self and affect your relationship with your self-image great question thank you Brooke sounds like you have some first-hand experience <laughs> I, yeah, I do I do <laughs> um I think that it affected my perception of myself in a myriad of ways and in layers. Mm-hmm. When I was younger, when I was at that school, I really felt like, again, it's that question of correctness and being perfect. I realized right. I don't have time to be perfect. <laughs> I don't, yeah. you know? And I, I wanted to have my hair straight. straight. Yeah, I wanted to have my hair straight. And there was a question when I was really young, why do you have so many braids in your hair? Why are so many? Oh, so I stopped asking my nanny. Can I, I used to say, can you just put like nine braids in? And I would be so excited to have all these beautiful yeah barrettes and stuff and I, I started getting embarrassed mm. of of the culture of my hair mm. you know and so that was an experience I really went through you know texturizing my hair getting it to be less curly making sure that for all the bat mitzvahs and bar mitzvahs oh, it was God. flat irons oh, God. I um, really also the questions of oh where'd you get that where'd you get your nails it was very much so Correctness, And I think that's where a lot of that came from, a permission to be. Mm-hmm. And then as time went on, I always had a sense of self. I always had a sense of style. And even in maybe the social construct rules that we yeah. kind of lived in in that environment, I would find my own ways to express myself. It was always cool going to Spence, actually, because you had a uniform, right? Yes. So Which I had- actually liked. I liked having a uniform because it was like, I, I don't have to wake up and think about what I'm going to wear. Exactly. I still kind of live that that life yeah you know, <laughs> this is my you know um and you had few choices to express yourself mm-hmm. so it was very defining to personal style mm-hmm. and going into the future now everyone kind of dresses the same right there's a lot of styles that breed off of each other and authenticity at large is in in question yeah it's true very few people are their authentic selves and exactly. we, we talked about Solange earlier who I found out you like were hanging out with in New Orleans yeah but I love her I think she's so amazing because like you you just feel like she's being who she is meant to be mm-hmm. and that sense of personal style mm-hmm. comes across in everything she does uh, embracing your femininity mm-hmm. embracing your your God-given beauty yes, and embracing your personal style is really, a lot of people say that beauty is kind of not a necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a philosophy student in the first class. Wait, I is took, this at Berkeley or? Yeah, Berkeley. Okay. Berkeley School of Music. Yeah. Berkeley School of Music. And the best school for music in the world. Yes. Y'all, y'all hear that, Berkeley? <laughs> <laughs> um, but when I was there, I studied the, the philosophy of aesthetics and mm. one of the first things you talk about is the definition of beauty and yes. what what that means and i just think that and they talk about how much of a necessity it is yes because it keeps us through the trudge of the mundane daily life exactly so to see someone you see someone just looking like a beautiful like peacock of clothing it keeps you smiling and yes. keeps you inspired and it keeps you remembering that every moment is important 
Absolutely. Style is like a, a reason to get up out of bed in the morning. Yeah. You know? It's like, it's so important. And I think that a lot of times beauty isn't given the respect it deserves. It's mm-hmm. like reduced down to, you know, five shades of lipstick for the summer. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's so much more than that. Mm-hmm. And the way that you choose to present yourself as a woman speaks volumes to mm-hmm. your personal history, how you feel about yourself. Yeah. It's just like, it's so much deeper. And I do have to say that because I am in a predominantly male industry, mm-hmm. as a musician, I'm a band leader. And, um, oh, so you're the boss. <laughs> so, Because I, I don't, okay, admittedly, I don't know that much about what it means to be a band leader, but that mm-hmm. means that you bring together the people doing the instruments and the... That means, yeah, I, I choose the band. Um, a lot of people now, they have musical directors. Okay. So you go to tours and... Um, they may or may not have written the songs and then they'll hire someone who hires the band based on your specifications and then they teach the band your music. Got it. And then you come in later. Got it. And then you then begin to do your job. But someone basically teaches the band everything and when you come in with a musical director, Mm -hmm. they're ready. Yes. All you have to do is sing. Okay. And give your corrections. But you don't have a musical director. I don't have. You are the band leader. Precisely. Okay. And that's been a huge challenge for me, but I wanted to do that because my tutti, my ensemble, my musicians are as important to me as my voice. Mm. Uh, I'm an arranger. I, I write a lot of stuff on guitar and then I'll figure out this is what I want the drum sound to be. This is what I want the organ. This is the bass. And I'll program it on the computer and then teach it to a group of musicians. And um, I find that through that journey, I've... I've grown a lot. Mm-hmm. And the band doesn't sound like any band. They sound like my band. Right, because you've trained them. Exactly. And if one day I want to be a musical director, yeah. I can be for right. other people. Right, because you've learned how to do it. Exactly. So it's been really a learning process. And my musicians have you know, taught me a lot. And they've been so patient mm. with me. And I've played with a lot of different people. Sometimes they'll have to learn 15 songs in two hours. Wow. And um, then we have to go do a six-hour set in New Orleans or whatever. Oh, my God. So um, it's been a great training ground for that. And I don't think most people don't get the the honor or the pleasure or the chance to do that before they have to go really show themselves to the world. Mm -hmm. So it's been cool doing that in New Orleans in small bars for drunk people. (laughs) (laughs) No one remembers anything. Um, And then just to see that grow on such a fast level in New Orleans itself. I mean, our first gig, we got $27 a pop. And my, my bass player was like, I can retire off of it you know? <laughs> and then six months later we're at essence festival yeah you know yeah. and we're opening for big huge. frida or i'm singing on the same stage that oprah then came on two hours yeah. later huge so it just shows you how much really truly being as, as involved as you can be as a woman in your passions can yes. benefit you oh my gosh i mean it's funny because I've been thinking about this just struggling to do the podcast on my own and learning how to edit and learning how to get my mm-hmm. own like equipment and mm-hmm. the right mics and all of that stuff it's like I could very easily just like go to a studio and have someone send me the track and say like where I want to edit it and a lot of people that have podcasts do that but it was mm-hmm. really important to me to figure out like okay how do you master your craft it's not going to be mm-hmm. good from the beginning mm-hmm. but how do you like set aside the time and like have the will to like learn how to do it yourself so exactly and for me it all really began I think when I was 18 years old and at the time I was friends with someone who said you know I really wanted to sing and I had gone to France for a year I taught myself how to play guitar how to host family they had Mm, a guitar they were like where did our guitar go in my room (laughs) I was teaching myself for like three months yeah so finally my host brother walked in and caught me And he told me, this friend of mine, he said, you know that if you want to make money in music, you have to write your own songs. Mm. And I said, what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just trying to sing. Right. I never thought that at that age, in my teen years, or, you know, we talked about Spence at that time, the confidence I had, I didn't think that I could create something. Mm. I thought that I could just bring something to the next level. Right. But I began to write songs about what I was going through. And then I started to meet with producers. They would flake on me sometimes. And my mom was just pissed. Like, she was like, fuck this. Like, (laughs) come over. I have something for you. And for Christmas, she got me a whole production kit. She went to Sam Ash and she got me everything. She talked to people. And I began to slowly teach myself and also with um, the help of some of my friends from Berkeley how to produce. That's great. And that was the beginning for me 
of um of seeing how gratifying it is yes to, it's so satisfying yeah to just finish something from beginning to end and then hand it off with the confidence that you've put your stamp on it yes and now you want to see what else someone else can do with it yes no yeah. totally. so it's really my mom who taught me that oh that's amazing mm-hmm. Let's talk about your amazing hair for just a moment. Um, okay. Thank you. <laughs> so it makes me really sad to think that there was a time that you didn't like fully love your curly hair because your hair is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Do people try to touch your hair? And if that happens, does it really annoy you? People have tried to do that. I was actually in a doctor's appointment when the nurse was like, I saw her going for the white reach. woman. Yes, of course. And I just said, I just had to politely tell her, no, you can't. You do can't that. touch my hair. And she understood. Yeah. Um, it was actually a great experience to just say no to right. someone right. and um, yeah. have them respect it. Right. I've had people go too fast for me to respond. Yeah, you're just like, I was like literally walking once, and this man, a, a black man, just raked through my hair. Like he knew better than that. I was walking, and I was like, ah! <laughs> wow. Bold. Yeah, very bold, <laughs> sir. I don't know what you were attempting to do. It didn't work. Oh, my God. Um, so so what? tell me about your hair care process, because I know it's a process. It is. I like to say that part of my daily style is, like, pajama chic. Pajama chic. I love yes, that. pajama okay. chic. So my hair is the same. Okay. I got it cut over a period of time. Well, I went natural. Yep. Um, Were you not always natural? Did you ever have like a relaxer? Yeah, I had texturizers for a long time. All through the Spence years. All through from seven until 22. Oh, wow. Or three. My hair, I was getting um, texturizers several times a year. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So your curls never like reached their full glory. I had no idea what to expect. I was really scared actually. Yeah, I can imagine. And uh, I just said, you know what? When you're in college, it's great because you don't even want to spend that extra money on getting a texturizer. So I said, I'll just try it out. I really started when we were filming Black Nativity to grow my hair out. Mm -hmm. And it took about three years to grow all the way out and then trim it slowly and find the shape. So I went to a myriad of hairdressers in okay. Boston and yeah. in New Orleans. Christine, I love you. <laughs> and or Kristen, too. And um, and Atlanta was the last place I went to. Yeah, they know how to do some hair in Atlanta. Yeah, Al yeah. at Glamour something. I'll message it to you. I don't remember okay. the name. But my mom found him, and he has hair very similar to mine. Okay. He's multi, multiracial. Yep. And I basically I asked for a glorified mullet. That's what I want. You know, where it's short in the front (laughs) and then it like gets longer with layers. It's not really in its full luster right now. Yeah, but it's like very rock and roll. Thank you. I feel like it suits your person. And also like the Leo lion vibe. It's just like I'm like a man lion. Yeah. Totally. Totally. It's such an honor to be compared to a lion, honestly. (laughs) Um but yeah, so it took a period of time to get the shape. The shape was the most important thing. Yeah. Because even when I would use the right product, it right. would be this triangle. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think a lot of women that go natural don't think about the shape. So yeah. like when I first went natural, I was like, eh. And then I got a tapered cut and like the whole game changed. Because I was yeah. like, oh, this is how I want my hair to look once it's washed and whatever. Okay. I find that layers look work really well for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I got that, and then um, what I tend to use is I'm very much minimalistic. I don't like to do a lot of stuff. Minimal makeup, whatever I can do the least of when it comes to the appearance but still feel like myself. Sure. That's the goal. So how often do you wash and condition your hair? Um, I condition it multiple times a week, probably two times a week. Wash it once a week. Okay. And... I use Rin when I'm really on my stuff, which yeah. I'm not right now. Right now, I'm using Tresemme Botanical, which is it's oh, that's good. good. Yeah, I like that. it's yeah. really good. And they give yeah. you the big bottle, and I need a ton of conditioner. conditioner. I know that's like the story of my life. Everywhere in my house, I have so much shampoo and like no conditioner. Yeah, because I like never use shampoo, and I use so much conditioner. Me yeah. too. I just yeah. need like a dab of shampoo and yeah. a bottle of conditioner. Exactly. They should really make those. Hello, beauty companies. I know. I know. You should change the ratios for us. Exactly. Um. So I use when I'm really on it. I like to use Rin Pure, okay. Brazilian uh, R E N. Yeah, that, like all natural beauty line. Yes, yeah, it's I love family them. owned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure they use a lot of different things in it, but it seems to be pretty wholesome. Yep, yep. Um, so I use that, or I'll use the Argan Oil one. Okay. And but I really like the Brazilian one because it kind of like coats your hair and makes it a little smoother. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I'll alternate between those. And then I like to use Talia Wahid. Oh, yes. I know that line. Yeah. The curl sealer. The curl sealer. Yeah. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I've, I've heard about this line like mm-hmm. so much recently, and I really want to try it. So you use the curl sealer. And you do curl that sealer. after you rinse. You do a leave-in conditioner first? Yes. Okay. So you do what leave-in do you use? Any conditioner for me is leave-in. Okay. I just tend to leave it in. I'll do the laundry. I'll take like a few yeah. hours. I'm just leave it in. Then I'll wash it out. Then you rinse it out, and then you do the curl sealer. Yeah. Okay, and then do you air dry? Mm, yeah, I'll air dry. What I tend to do is I do finger curls, too. Okay. So I'll take my... That's when it really all came together for me. So I'll, like, rake through it. Okay. You know, with the product yeah. one section at a time. Mm-hmm. I like to put a serum on it first, then, like, maybe leave a little conditioner, and then I'll put the yes. the final product. Okay. Rake through it, get all the curls saturated, and then I take... Each curl ah, and I finger coil it. Yeah, you see these? These are very finger coiled. This is not natural. This is from. Oh, wow. Yeah, finger setting. And then I just let it dry, or I'll use a uh, blow dryer with um, a diffuser. A diffuser on okay. it. Okay. And what do you do at night? I put it in a pineapple. Okay. Like this. And I sleep oh, like this cute. with a satin scarf or a satin pillowcase. Satin and I'll just put like. Essential some pins in it or yeah. a pencil whatever to just keep it up because this stretches it out in the back right right and it keeps it long on the bottom because if not it just goes like this it gets all like matted do you keep a satin pillowcase at your boyfriend's house i need to do that yeah you need to do that so you're I, always prepared you know what happens is whenever you're in the beginning of a relationship you try to be you cute. Want to look cute i know but that's why you do a satin pillowcase so you don't have to worry about having your satin scarf exactly i just need to order one already so <laughs> thank you for reminding me i'm just gonna get on oh, that. your birthday's coming up i can like uh okay yeah i'm gonna be like i want the highest egyptian satin exactly, exactly. five million thread count exactly exactly <laughs> why don't you talk to me about like the beauty products or even beauty trends that like you're really loving at the moment. Like what what beauty products do you absolutely love can't live without? Like specific brands or just a thing? It could even just be just a thing. Well, I really do like Milan and I really do like Wet n Wild because I don't okay. like to spend a lot of money on my products. Oh, so, you, so you're like a drugstore diva. I okay. am a drugstore diva. And I there's one product that I splurge on which is the Bobby Brown bronzer brick. Oh, so good. It's like the different strips of... Precisely. Yeah. And now they've made it mini. <laughs> oh, perfect. So you can take a travel version. It's so exciting. Oh my gosh. You actually look like a Bobby Brown girl. Like, you know how they always had those books of like Bobby Brown beauty? Like, yeah. You would be a good beauty brand ambassador for them. Thank you, Brooke. Right? Thank but you for plugging that Bobby Brown. Did I know. you hear that? Listen, yeah. No, because like you've got the freckles and like, I just, I see it. Thank I can you see that. Much. Okay. Thank so the Bobby Brown bronzing brick. Yes. Yes. I like the Milan um, H2O proof uh, eyeliner. Okay. And the Wet n Wild H2O proof. It's $2. Yes. Of course. And because I'm good to lose it. You know? Yes, I'm right. I'm good to leave it somewhere. Right. You leave a trail of eyeliner. So you just don't want to spend too much. That makes sense. Exactly. Exactly. So I love that one. It doesn't come off at all, the, the H2O one. So I tend to use that one. I really like to give a wing tip. I'm really yeah. minimal, so yeah. I'll just put a little concealer under my eye, wingtip, a lot of mascara. What mascara do you use? I really liked for a long time that Maybelline, that green tube. One. Yeah, that's the iconic. Yeah. Yeah, I love that one when it came out with like the first gel applicator. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now I found my way of applic- uh, applying it myself, so I'm kind of nonspecific. As, okay. As long, I don't like H2O proof um I what is it mascara yeah because they tend to like not come off it's hard to take it off yeah it's too annoying (laughs) it took me a second for my brain to understand you are the first person I've ever heard say H2O proof for waterproof (laughs) but I love it I love that okay H2O proof well you know they put it on the the, no no I know I know I'm like H2O proof okay yeah waterproof got it yeah I'm a very visual thinker so I'm seeing H2O yeah one of the things that I started doing instead of buying eye makeup remover pads is I just use oil to take off my eye makeup and that like helps a lot I tend to do oil cleansing. Oh, I love oil cleansing. Yeah. Okay, so what do you do? Do you do like a castor oil? and mm-hmm. Okay. I'll have the castor oil be my base, and then I put a bunch of different essential oils. I oh, like to try too. different things. Yeah. I really have fun making my own products. Oh actually. my gosh, me too. Really? That's like my number one thing. Yeah, I love making products. I do too. We have a huge aloe vera plant in our yard. We live Amazing. in Laurel Canyon. 
and I'll just cut like these huge aloe vera yes. um, stems and I'll put it in the freezer mm-hmm. and then I cut it into little strips and put it under my eyes and it sticks. It doesn't move. Amazing. So I'm very much so into natural products when it comes to skincare. I yes. do a lot of face steaming. That's amazing. Um, oil cleansing, face steaming. And then I try, I use, a, what I, okay, I'm horrible with the pronunciation of this, but it's like Walada. <laughs> well, I don't, I'm trying to, it's, it's a brand name or something? Yeah, it's a French brand and they have it. Oh, Walita. Yes. Walita, yeah. Walita. Yeah. So I love their Primrose, um, Evening Primrose. Oh, evening Primrose Oil. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really nice. And they have a, a moisturizer for nighttime that I really like. Yes. Um, and an iris one. So yes. I like, that. I like really natural leaning things. Mm-hmm. What is that girl, Fran on Instagram? Yeah, Hey Fran Hey. Yeah. Hey Fran Hey. I watch a lot of her stuff. Um, so yeah, oil cleansing. My my go to like day thing is like I need to get out the house in twenty five minutes. Okay, so you're like low maintenance. Low maintenance. Yeah, as low as we can go. I used to be like contour me, <laughs> contour more contour. But then I realized my freckles were cooler than contour. Oh my gosh, yeah, your freckles are gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So I I really like the bronzer brick because it lets you do different things, different yeah. things on yeah. your face, like a little more brown, a little more pink, a little yeah. more just highlighter. Yeah, no, it's um, a great, great. So yeah, product. it's pretty much concealer, mascara, um, the Milan eyebrow yeah your, I was going to say your eyebrows are really nice do you like get them tweezed I haven't gotten my eyebrows done in over so they're just naturally perfectly arched I also haven't gotten I, ha- I don't think I've gotten them in almost a year I haven't gotten them done so how do they stay so nice I'm like looking at you so quizzically like <laughs> how does this happen what I do is I learned I wanted to grow them out yeah so what I learned was that a great way to grow them out is to put the black castor oil on them when yeah. you sleep mm-hmm. with a toothbrush oh wow to really stimulate the root yeah and then I take um, a little shaver a single shaver yes I have those too yeah okay, I'll so do that and then it keeps it growing oh amazing because so I had thin eyebrows when I was living in New York, because I was getting threaded all, all the, the time. time. I know. People really need to like do that less, because it really does ruin your brows. If you don't have the right person, too. Because yeah. I was just, I was going to Paris, I was getting threaded, I was in New York, threaded. You just go at whoever's open. Exactly. I just had a pet peeve with having any straight hairs. But then I realized that I was starting to look like a, you know, 60-year-old woman. <laughs> <laughs> with like these thin eyebrows you could never look like a six year old woman no I was looking like, very 90s yeah you know but like not not good 90s no no not <laughs> the best of it so I like not getting them done I yeah. was very inspired by Solange on that one. Oh my god yeah she has the, they're actually their whole family has the most amazing brows I can't wait to see the twins to see if like they've got the Jay-Z and oh Beyonce they're actually, like America's twins I know I know they're like I feel like Jay-Z and Beyonce are like our like Prince William and Kate Right? Like, they're oh like, my gosh. right? I mean, in terms of like a couple that everyone just like idolizes and dies for, it's them. I've never thought of that as a comparison, but it's perfect. Yeah, it's totally true. It's really perfect. And I, and I said Jay Z and Beyonce's eyebrows, but it really is Miss Tina's DNA. Like, Miss Tina. Her DNA just has, it's strong. I've met her a few times, and every time I'm so nervous. I don't really? know why. Literally, I'm tripping. <laughs> You know, her her husband has been has coached me a bit in acting. Oh right, her husband's an actor. Yeah. Yeah. So I had to go to their place once and he was gonna you know, I had this big audition, he was training me and I pull into the driveway and for some reason my car just starts going back. So I put the my foot on the accelerator and just makes this huge screeching noise (laughs) and I come up and he's like did you (laughs) run over the mailbox that's so funny I was so embarrassed and of course I see you Miss Teen I'm dropping my bag oh my god she's just such royalty I know in her presence she's like the queen she's the queen and she's so cool and down to earth I know I love her yeah she's great now are there any beauty trends that you really don't like I mean, we. I saw one of my least favorite trends up on the on the beautiful pool here where we're staying in L.A. Oh, the Kim Kardashian clone like look. It's just like I don't know. Have your own thing. It really bothers me when I see so many people emulating the an identical look from someone else. Are there any beauty trends that you see and just like makes you cringe? Well, I have to agree that on a larger scale of things, just like authenticity is really important to me. Mm-hmm. That's why I really wanted to start the culture crew and produce content and events that would really highlight um, things that make our cultures unique mm-hmm. and that make us as humanity unique from anything else. Right. 
And I find that as the world quickly is globalizing, that beauty, the ideals of beauty are as well. Mm. And that's fine in all things, but it is a little bit troubling when I find that a lot of people look the same. Right. Now. A lot of people look the same. It's weird. You know, amendments done to their faces yes. and their bodies to look the same. I find that anything that's going to make you feel as beautiful as you are inside, I support that totally. Mm-hmm. But I find also that the differences in us challenge us to find ourselves. That journey of, you know, mm-hmm. I don't love everything about my face. I don't love mm-hmm. everything about my body. I don't love everything about my hair. Mm-hmm. But as I embrace it and I say, okay, like just how I broke my foot, I'm going to rock the broken foot yes. like an accessory. Yes. I'm going to embrace the things I don't like and make my weaknesses a strength. And I think that's a trend that I want to see more mm-hmm. than what our perceived weaknesses just make them like everyone else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Are there any like specific trends or even like a product that you tried and you hated? I don't like this like thing how they're like putting this thing over their lips and they're plumping them. I don't know if you've seen that. Wait, like lip injections? No, it's this thing. It's like a big thing that they put over their mouth and they push it. Oh my God. Almost like a penis pump, but it's over <laughs> their lips and they're pumping their lips. Okay. I don't understand. You get it? It's okay. We have thin lips. We have thick lips. I have in between I wouldn't say your lips are in between. Your lips are like full. (laughs) Yeah. So, (laughs) do you think that as like a performer, someone who is like your own brand, how much do you think of that is the way that you look and present yourself, and how much of it is like pure talent? In my estimation, or in the world's estimation, both. I want to hear your opinion on both. I think, in my opinion, it's equal. Okay. It's equally as important. Okay. And what do you think the world thinks that they probably that image is more important? 80% looks, 20% talent, maybe. I know. Yeah. And do you know why I think people think that? Because you have people that are so famous and they really don't have any talent, mm-hmm. right? So like someone like a Kylie Jenner, and no shade to them, they're like very successful in their own right, but it's only image and like zero talent. So I feel like because people see that and observe that, they think that just like a look alone is going to get you far, but... Talent is very uh, important. Yeah, very important. Yeah. Well, what I found also is that um, I was having a meeting with someone. And he told me that he was with a publicist who's mm-hmm. with someone who's very big. Okay. And this publicist said, "Talent is not important. It's all about the story. It's all about the angle. And it's all about the brand and the look." And that is how a lot of the people who are in positions of power are. Ta- they're, they're they believe that. Mm. So they're not putting what is perceived. I mean, and when we say talent, creative talent, um, the arts, dancing, you know, having right. a um, a passion and working towards it right. in a study. Right. Now, I do think that the definition of talent has changed because I do. For Kylie Jenner, for example, she does have a talent of publicizing herself, marketing herself. Mm-hmm. And a lot of musicians that I went to school with mm-hmm. even... Don't. don't know how to do that. Yes. Right. So that's not enough. Like they could be right. so talented. Right. They could be much better musicians than me or some right. of the musicians who have won Grammys. But the thing is that that's not going to get you to those positions of power that the world sees you. True. It's a little bit of all of it. You kind of need to know how to do both. So I do respect people who are able to put, it's a talent yeah. to get famous off of. Pretty much your looks or true, or, true. or not a lot. I, I, I have respect for that business ethic because maybe I don't always have it. So I trying to learn from it. Right. You know? Right. Um, so I think that now in the 21st century, we're not in a period of A&R. We're not in a period mm-hmm. of getting discovered. We're right. very much so in a period of making yourself and creating a team to make yourself. Interesting. So when you have that triad of like publicity, talent, business sense. Yes. That's when you win. Right. And a look for that's Done. when you win. So I think it's a bit of everything. <laughs> yeah. So like for you on your Instagram account, like when you post something, are you thinking mm-hmm. like this is, you know, for my personal brand or are you just like this is a self-expression, a tool for self-expression? I've had a real battle with really? social media. Okay. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about your battle with social media. Well, because I've really been on the scene in mm-hmm. New Orleans watching people mm-hmm. and making a name for myself in mm-hmm. that way. And... um 
I just found that you can't eat. That's that's your man. Yeah, that's my boo. Sorry, y'all. <laughs> okay, I'll pause for a second. Hey, boo. Yeah, I was a film student at Columbia and even at Berkeley a bit. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we studied is the changes in technology and how that affected the creative industries. Mm. So, for example, when like the silent film industry was happening yeah. and then talkies happened, yeah. there was mass yeah. um, suicide, actually. Right, because a lot of the people that had gotten work in talkies weren't right for... Sorry, in, in silent films weren't right for talkies, right? Precisely. So there yeah. were a lot of musicians, because they would have live musicians mm-hmm, mm-hmm. who would tour with it. They they had mass suicide. A lot of the actors wow. didn't know how to deal with it. And it was this non-acceptance of this technology that everyone looked at like it was a joke. Mm. When film first happened, it was a joke to a lot of people. Right. When recorded music first happened, it was a joke right, to a lot of people. Right. And for me, I made the mistake that when Twitter and Instagram happened, you it was I was a like, joke. this is a fucking joke. <laughs> so you're going to just sit here and be like, today I clipped my fingernail. Right, right, like, right. what? I, I came from an older school of just, you know, Donny Hathaway's and Bonnie Raitt's and Muddy Waters and people who were just on the road. Right. But now I'm realizing the marriage that it has. Yes. Yes. So I'm really excited to really start to take advantage of social media. Mm-hmm. And nobody really knows what I'm capable of doing because I haven't posted it. Right, yeah. You post, like, very infrequently. Like, yeah. You give us a little taste, you know, now and again, like at a premiere or something. Like, Ooh. Well, just get ready. Okay, I'm ready. I'm Where ready. It's, it's going down in the next few weeks. We're really going to start to get consistent and um, take advantage of that free publicity to yeah. just share to share what we do. Yeah, you know? no, totally. And you should share it, you know, because, like, you have all of these gifts and talents, and you could perform to a room of 20 people. Mm-hmm. But, well, you, I don't even, I mean, I'm sure you have tons of followers, but once you <laughs> share it to, like, the thousands of people online, it's like a whole new audience that gets to see you. Exactly. And I think that I was definitely running away from that because mm-hmm. I'm not a vain person in that way. Of, right. Let me take a selfie. You know, I, I just, <laughs> I, and I don't look at people who do that like they are vain per se I just personally it's not your thing <laughs> I don't always know how to take a moment to to document stuff in the moment you know right so it's really cool to as my company expands a bit and we get more help to have people on the team who can document it right more like old school rock and roll yeah like yeah. where there were epic photographers yeah. documenting mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know the Bob Dylan's and yes, the Beatles of yes. the world in the process of doing right, what they do. Right. Do you know who does an amazing job of that? Leon Bridges. Oh, and yeah. Actually, Leon's a friend of mine as well. I, okay. I think he's so amazing. I went, like, out of his out of my way to say to his photographer who, like, travels on the road. Rambo? Like, yes. Like, you do such an amazing job of creating an aesthetic that matches his music. And, like, it's just all... I feel like he's yeah. an amazing example of, like, how an artist can use social media for their own image. I got to learn a lot from hanging out with them. Yeah. He's actually, his family's from New Orleans. Oh, right. That's right. I met yeah. his mom at the Grammys. She was so nice. Yeah, she's really nice. It's uh, Sawyer. That song yeah. is about her. her. Yeah, because he was like living with her. and Yeah. He said, yeah. He, he said he does everything for her, which is like so cute. Yeah, that she's really sweet. I, we went to the New Orleans, his na- New Orleans debut concert, oh, which wow. was so exciting. His whole family was there. He actually asked me to come um, sing backgrounds on his tour oh my god uh, a while ago but he also then said you know that from what i see you have your own thing kind of going yeah and i don't want to take you off that of course that was hard for me because i was like what you mean you don't want me to go to australia <laughs> but at the same time it, it was true it was a blessing yeah that he told me that because yeah. i had to keep feeding into this thing but yeah finding that ode to the greats yes but then also updating it mm-hmm. which is really cool and when I'll send you a picture of the two of us. We went out to dinner in New Orleans, and he was just dressed to the nines. Oh, you my know? God. His, his Talk about personal style. Yes, he's And got just it. stepping out with Leon, I just realized how great you feel about yourself. Yes, yes. When you're just being authentic, not wearing, okay, yeah, I'm wearing high waters, and everybody else is, has their ass out in baggy jeans, but right. I don't care. Right, because this is me, and this is who I am. And I feel good. Yeah. 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 He looked like a soldier going off to war in 1940. <laughs> he like showed up at my house. He and um, he and Luke James. Oh, Luke James. Yeah. Showed up to my house. Oh my god. And I was like, "What are you it's guys?" A nice doing? store to open. Yeah. Right. I was like, "Wow, beautiful, beautiful yeah. chocolate men." Yes. And I took them to Verrett's, which is no longer a, a music venue in New Orleans, but it's still a bar there. And we had this great thing, cool, nasty. Um, Elliot, Stefan, and my friends, they hosted this great jam session. Oh, cool. And it was me, Luke, 
and Leon that's just passing dope. the someone mic. Someone filming it? Yeah, we actually have some footage of okay, it. Okay, you have to send that to me. Yeah, that's yeah. Amazing. Luke posted some stuff a while back, but it was so cool just seeing two like black men who are so confident in who yes. their their self image mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and their voices. Too. And, yeah. And the talents there too. Yeah, but Rambo's really cool. She's someone you should interview too. Yeah. I could get you in touch with her. Okay, I will definitely reach she out. She sent my her. mom a hat. Oh my God, so <laughs> cute. But the, yeah, he did a great job of gearing his social media to his personal taste. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is my last question for you. Okay. It's a question I ask everyone, every single one of my guests. Okay. <laughs> I hope I wasn't too loquacious. <laughs> no, oh my gosh, you're amazing. I'm good. When do you feel the most beautiful? Hmm. When I'm on stage. Hmm. You're just in your element. Because I'm doing God's work. Wow. And I know that I'm where I need to be. Wow. So when I am performing and I'm tapping into the spirit that he put into me, because I realize that when I sing for God, mm-hmm. that's when I do my best work. Mm-hmm. Um, I was a philosophy student, so they asked a lot of, why are you doing this? I was like, why am I doing this? (laughs) And um, when I'm on stage, I feel most connected to the higher power and um, to the people. So I feel really beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's a beautiful answer. Well, thank you so much for coming and doing the show. And it was so good catching up with you. And you'll have to, like, send me links to everything so I can put everything in the show notes so everyone can, like, listen to your music and just, like, experience how amazing you are. Um, We're going to have a project soon. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And I'm really looking forward to seeing what you come out with next now that you're doing, like, the content and the culture Mm -hmm. stuff. It's going to be, like, big things ahead. I'm really excited to share with people what we've been working on. It hasn't happened yet. Yeah. But we haven't shared it. So that's the beginning. We'll see how it goes. Oh, my gosh. Okay, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you, Brooke. Beautiful woman. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 